Well, welcome to week number one of this three-part series we're calling In the Meantime. We just got done with a great series called The Afterlife, looking forward to heaven and how amazing that's gonna be. The big question of this series is, what do we do while we're waiting for our eternal home in heaven? For those of us who've confessed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, what do you do in the meantime? That's what we're gonna unpack together. Today will be more motivational the next couple of weeks, more practical how-tos. But before we dive in, let me say a big hello to all the campuses who are joining us, and we are one church in 10 locations. Three of them are right here, Rockwall, Lake Point Espanol, and the Classic Service, but also we have Town East, Forney, Firewheel, Richland, and our three South Texas campuses uh, for real life in Corpus, Hayes, and Austin. In addition to that, thousands of people connect with us over the internet every week. Rockwall, would you put your hands together and welcome your church family? We're glad you guys are here. Yeah. So glad you guys are here today as we launch this series and just ask the question, what do we do while we're waiting for heaven? Uh, for many of us, we know for certain that we're going there. There's no doubt in our minds we're gonna spend eternity in heaven. And if there's anyone listening to me and you just say, you know what, I don't have that certainty yet. Uh, I'm still seeking, I'm, I'm still asking questions. I wanna encourage you to hang with me through the message. I have a special word for you a little bit later. But, but for those of us who know Christ, we know we're going to heaven, what do we do while we wait for that blessed hope? You know, uh, you may think that what you're supposed to do is watch the Rangers, but I don't know after yesterday if that's what we're gonna do. I'm, I'm pulling for him today, it's all good. But seriously, what do you do in the meantime? What is the mission of us as believers? Ever thought about that? Once you pray to receive Christ, why don't you go to heaven right then? You know, we're gonna just unpack that together. Many times people ask me, why do you do what you do? And as best I can, I run my decisions through my conviction of what my mission is in the meantime. And I wanna share that with you today. Before I do that, let me tell you what happened to me October 1987. I was coming home from middle school basketball practice and my entire family was glued to the television set. And they were watching this news that was coming out of Midland, Texas, where apparently this tragic incident had happened where this 18-month-old little girl was out in the backyard playing with her cousins and they'd found a well that no one in the family knew was there. And they actually came up to the well and that's why I have this uh, prop here today is just to kind of show you exactly how wide this well was. It was only eight and a half inches in diameter. And so when they found it, this 18-month-old did what I guess a toddler would do and just kind of put her feet into the well and just kind of swung her feet there as she sat there at the edge of it. Well, when she tried to get up as they were collecting the reports and the news was trying to gather the, the information, apparently both of her feet slipped at the same time and this child went straight into this well. And she was caught 20 feet below the earth's surface, but just enough corrosion in that well to catch her and trap her in the well. Well, the sheriff of Midland was the first person on the scene, and he said later in interviews that he knew right away this was way above his department and way beyond what they could do. So he began to spread the word across Midland to please come and help rescue this child, and her name happened to be Jessica. 
Well, the whole town of Midland, it seemed, converged onto this backyard, and people began to, to strategize about how they could rescue this child. And as everyone watched, including me and my family on the television set, hoping it was gonna work out, people all of a sudden started flying in from across the country and started coming and experts and engineers started gathering and debating the issues and strategizing, how do we rescue Jessica? And as they began to talk about that, the plan they came up with was this. They said, we can't go straight into this well. We need to go over several feet and actually dig a parallel well, a tunnel that would go down parallel to this well and come across and actually brace this child because what they discovered was is just below where Jessica was trapped, there was actually the well opened up and there was a chasm about a 70 foot drop. So if they dug straight into the well, the vibration of the well just might dislodge her and they would lose her forever. So they started digging this tunnel and they started you know, digging but it took a lot longer than they thought because they didn't want the vibrations of this tunnel to, to lose Jessica. And so 24 hours passed, 36 hours passed. According to history, this is the only the second time in American history that the Americans actually watch the news 24 hours a day. I watched it all night. My parents let me stay home from school the next day. What's gonna happen to Jessica? What's gonna happen? And everyone was riveted to this situation, 24 hours, 36 hours. I can remember watching on television as they dropped this microphone down into the well just to see if she was still breathing. And this little child would sing songs that she was taught in church, like Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, as she serenaded America 20 feet under the earth. Finally, after 58 hours, two and a half days later, they were finally ready. They had the, the tunnel dug. They dug over to Jessica. They had put the brace underneath her so they wouldn't lose her. Then I can remember it. Robert O'Donnell was a rescue worker, and by the way, last night, someone who just moved from Midland, Texas, who's friends with Jessica's mom, you can't make this stuff up, told me the only reason they chose Robert O'Donnell to go down there is because he was, he was the skinniest person in the backyard, and they knew he could get down the tunnel. So they said, hey, Robert, go get that, go get that child. Go rescue Jessica. So Robert disappeared, and he went down there, and for some reason, she was trapped so much that he couldn't get her out. And I can still remember watching the TV as he came up out of that tunnel empty-handed. It was as if the whole crowd gasped. And everyone around the world, their hearts sank. And you could see the desperation in this rescue worker's eyes. I don't have her. After all the planning and two and a half days of trying, there's still work to do. The rescue mission isn't over. Let me stop there in the story and just ask this question. All the campuses, please participate. How many of you actually remember watching this on television? You watched the rescue of Jessica. Just raise your hand. Yes, if you're raising your hand, you're over 30. <laughs> if you're under 30, you're like, you're making this story up. Great illustration, though. No, it really happened. According to CNN, this is the top story of the last 25 years because everybody loves a rescue. Now let me stop here and on the back of your worship guide, you can take some notes if you'd like, but there's three types of people in the backyard in middle, and I'll come back to these three types of people a little bit later. But the first type I call people who need a rescue. There's always people who need a rescue, and in this case, her name is Jessica. Jessica needed a rescue, and she's just a little girl. She was playing with some friends. She was having fun on the weekend, and because of one choice, she found herself trapped, and she was hopeless and needed help. 
There's people who need a rescue. The second type of person in the backyard in Midland, I call people who help the rescue. When there are people who say, you know what, I see the need and I can make a difference. I see what needs to happen and I wanna get in on the rescue. I wanna leverage my time, my talents, my money, my gifts, what, my energy. I wanna do whatever I can to rescue Jessica from this well. And then there was a third type of people and that was me back in 1987. I'm watching it all happen. I'm really interested, but I'm not involved. I'm a a spectator, I really do want it to work out and I'm watching everyone else do the work and I'm hoping for the best, but I'm not involved in the rescue. There's three types of people in Midland and and this, this news captured the nation's attention because everybody loves a rescue. But I just wanna stop and remind us that really the greatest rescue of all time wasn't the rescue of Jessica and Midland or any other that you see on TV. The greatest rescue mission ever happened 2,000 years ago and Jesus stated his mission when he said this and I wanna put it on the screen for you. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus said, here's the mission and it's the greatest rescue mission ever. He says, Jesus says, for the Son of Man, that's him. He says, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost, that's the mission. That's his mission then, that's the mission now. And can I remind us that the mission of Jesus cost him his life, and the cross is the greatest rescue mission ever. And Jesus gave his life for mine and for yours, and he came to rescue us. Here's how 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 puts the greatest rescue mission of all time. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we, here comes the rescue, could be made right with God through Christ. I don't ever wanna get over the day I was rescued. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was stuck. I was trapped in my own sin. I was stuck in my own guilt. I was stuck in my pride and in my fear and my insecurities. I was stuck in my brokenness. I was stuck in my selfishness and I had a self-absorbed life, but I'll never forget the day that Jesus came across my life and he rescued me by his forgiveness and grace. And I'll never forget the day that I came up out of that well and I was free. And it felt so amazing to know that I had a place in heaven that was promised because of the hope that he gave me at his cross and his resurrection. I was rescued. But if I could be honest with you, I didn't really know what to do in the meantime. I knew I was a Christian, I knew I was going to heaven. I knew he was my Lord and Savior. But what do I do now? And I kind of floundered a little bit. I really told God what his plan was for my life. I was like, God, here's your plan for my life. I'm gonna make you a lot of money. I'll be a physician. And I'll even help people. I'll go on a mission trip every once in a while. You'll be so impressed, I'll make money. I'll even give you some of it, Lord. It's gonna be a great plan. And I can still remember when I was in my dorm room during a semester of pre-med in college. And I opened up my Bible and I happened to read this verse, Proverbs 24, verse 11, and it's now become my life verse. And I'll put it on the screen for you. But the first word in every translation of the Bible is the same, and it jumped off the page at me, rescue. Rescue the perishing. Don't hesitate to step in and help them. It was like that word rescue just came off the page and all of a sudden I realized the cross wasn't just Christ's sacrifice to rescue me, the cross was the mission that unites all Christians to help others find him as well. And all of a sudden I realized my place on that team, my my role in that meantime was to rescue and I realized my role in the rescue. I sensed a calling to ministry 
Just through this one verse, it was like, you're involved in the rescue and you're not gonna be a physician. You're gonna be a pastor. And I was so excited and overwhelmed, I went to my dad, my dad was a minister. So I said, dad, guess what, I'm called to ministry. And, and he was so encouraging, he said, are you sure? <laughs> son, this is gonna be a really tough calling here. I mean, are you sure, can you do anything else, son? No, dad, this is it. If you are sure, then run toward it, son. Run toward the rescue. Because the next verse just jumped out to me at well, because verse 12 of the same chapter, after it says to rescue, it says, listen, if you say that's none of my business, I'm not, I shouldn't be involved in the rescue. Is that gonna get you off the hook? Because someone, notice big S, someone from heaven is pretty sure he's watching you closely and he's not impressed with weak excuses. And all of a sudden, I just step back and say, God, I surrender. And I'm in, I'm in on the rescue mission. I'm not gonna give you any excuses. And if anyone wants to know my life, I'm a very simple man. From that moment, I was already a Christian, but from that moment, I decided I will do whatever it takes to rescue people. People ask me, like, why did you move to Corpus Christi? The highway dead ends there. Why did you move to Corpus Christi? And most people don't realize that Corpus Christi, the city that bears the name of Jesus in our state, has over 100,000 people that don't go to church. And I decided I'm gonna do whatever it takes to reach the people of Corpus Christi. Then people ask me, why did you move to Austin? Austin's weird. What did you do that for? Four years ago, why did you move your wife and four kids and rent a house and have no core group, no outside funding? What did you do that for? Let me tell you why Austin's weird. One of the reasons, because it has over one million people who don't go to church. And 150 people are moving there every day. It is the most unchurched city in Texas and the top 10 most unchurched cities in America and I will do whatever it takes to reach the people in Austin for Jesus. <laughs> to which you may say, well, what are you doing in Rockwall then? <laughs> because I believe that Lake Point and real life partner together that we can rescue more people together than we can on, on our own. And that is why I am here, period. Now you may say, well, isn't a merger between Lake Point and real life complicated? Yes, <laughs> it really is. But it's no more complicated than the mission in the backyard in Midland, Texas, where everyone put aside their differences, their personalities, and almost ignored the challenges and the obstacles and said, we're gonna do whatever it takes to rescue Jessica, and I just want you to remind yourself today that the cross isn't just God's message to you to rescue you. It is what unites us together to put aside our differences and say, let's get in on the mission. We are on a rescue mission. Matter of fact, right now, every campus, would you do this? Turn to your neighbor and say, we're on a rescue mission. Just tell them, we are on a rescue mission. We really are. It's a mission. And when you hear the word mission, your neighbor just told you that, what do you think about when you hear that word missions? I think for many of us, if we're honest, when we hear missions, all we think about is international missions. We think about a distant land and foreign people that live there. And, and, and no doubt, it's incredible the mission that Lake Point is on and the impact that, that we are making around the world. As a matter of fact, I had the privilege a few weeks ago to be in Ghana and to see what Lake Point is doing and partnering with Real Life. And, and I actually got to go to a church 
where we dug a well and built a church in the same area of a village that has no gospel witness whatsoever and a couple that's been sharing with the village for over two years and, and just investing in these indigenous leaders and giving them a place to meet. And I got to dedicate that church and it was so exciting and they were so humbled that they had clean water but also being able to share the living water who's Jesus. And last Sunday, they had their very first service, and people from that village came and for the first time heard the great truth that we know and sometimes take for granted. Are you ready for this? Last Sunday, in the middle of nowhere in Ghana, Africa, 22 people prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Wow. Missions is so exciting. It's incredible. You're like, yes, that's great. But when you hear the word missions from now on, I don't want you to just think about a foreign land and distant people. I want you to think about and picture your front door. Did you know that when you walk out of your front door, you're on a mission field? And some of you don't even need to walk out of your front door. Just turn around, there they are. Your mission field is you're in your own house. But when you walk out the front door, it's at your school, it's in your office, it's at your neighborhood, and get in on mission that's right around you. And say, you know what, I'm gonna be a part of this because there's a rescue mission that we're all called to be. But there's three types of people listening to this challenge to be in on the rescue mission of Jesus that he has put us on and what we should be about in the meantime. And we'll go back to those three types of people. There's people who need a rescue. There's people listening to me and you can't get in on the rescue because you need a rescue. And I told you, if you didn't know for certain you're going to heaven, I'd have a message for you. Well, here it is. In a room this size, in a church our size, there's definitely people listening to me. And listen, you need a rescue today. You, like me, you feel stuck. I, I can remember that feeling. You feel like something's missing in your life. You feel like you're trying really hard, but getting nowhere. Some of you feel like you're so successful, and the more successful you get, the more empty you feel. You feel alone. You feel like you need help. And I've got great news for you. Help has a name. His name is Jesus. And you are not here by accident. And would you today trust him like I did and, and so many others who are part of this church? And would you let the forgiveness and grace of Jesus rescue you and begin a personal relationship with him and find the peace and the hope and the meaning that I found the day he rescued me. You see, there's people who need a rescue, and I'm praying if you do that, if you need that rescue, you'd let that be today. But I'm so thrilled that there's so many in this second category here at Lake Point, and that is people who are all in. They're, they say, you know what, I'm helping with the rescue. I am in on the mission of this church. And you really are involved. You see the need, and you're doing everything you can, and your energy, your resources, your time, treasure, talent, you're all in with your gifts to help. And just please remember that you're doing that. Listen, I, I never underestimate the money that you give in that offering plate. Don't ever underestimate that. In Midland, Texas, everything costs money in that backyard to rescue Jessica. That crane costs money. The oxygen tanks that they had to help her cost money. And I'm so glad nobody walked through the backyard of Midland and went, how much does that crane cost? And that's just ridiculous. We don't need that crane. I'm so glad people didn't say, what are we feeding the volunteers? We don't need to feed volunteers anymore. I'm just so thrilled that they say, you know what, whatever it takes to rescue this kid, we're in. What value can you place on a life? Did you know this weekend here in Rockwall, the middle schoolers had an encounter weekend and 493 volunteers and kids spent all weekend learning about Jesus and what price tag would you put on the life change and the learning that those kids had at their age? And I'm so thankful that people don't underestimate, you know what, I'm giving and it matters and there's a rescue that I'm involved in.
I'm also thankful there's people who give more things that are more valuable than money, time. There's people who give your time, and please don't ever say from this day forward, well, all I do is give an hour to the nursery. Well, all I do is give an hour to kids' ministry or the teenagers. Well, all I do is go feed the homeless. Well, all I do is serve in the prayer ministry. Please don't ever say that again. Because on the backyard in Midland, Texas, there were people who operated cranes. There were people who were bringing water to volunteers. There were people who were digging tunnels, but they had one mission. You see, I'm gonna ask you to change your mindset today. You're on a rescue mission, and your job and your role is as important as everybody else's. So please, if you work in the nursery, don't ever say again, well, I change diapers and I rock babies for one hour. Don't say that again. Just say this. I watch children in the nursery so their parents can go into service and hear about the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ so their lives are rescued, so they can tell this child about the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, and I am on a rescue mission. All of a sudden, it changes your mindset. All the nursery workers clap, yeah. Yeah, you're on a rescue mission. And no matter what that role is, listen, if you're a life group leader, are you serving the prayer ministry? You're in the media, the sound, the music. I don't know what you do, but never underestimate it. I had a lady right after the first service come up to me and she said, 17 years ago, I walked into Lake Point and there was a greeter who smiled at me and because of my past, I'd never had a kind word spoken to me. All they said was, I'm so glad you're here today. She said, just those words softened my heart to hear the message and I was rescued that day. Never underestimate what you do because in that backyard, you didn't walk up in Midland, Texas and go, hey, what do you do? Nobody said, well, I just operate this crane. That's what I do. I'm just operating a crane. You never ran into somebody, hey, what are you doing? I'm just digging a tunnel. I don't even know what the tunnel's for. I'm just digging a tunnel. I'm just digging tunnels, digging. You never ran into anybody that said, hey, what are you doing? Well, I'm just bringing water to these volunteers. I can't believe they're so thirsty. I don't even know what's happening here. No, no, no. You ask anybody. It didn't matter who you asked in that backyard. Hey, what are you doing? I'm rescuing Jessica, that's what I'm doing. I'm rescuing a child, and I'm so glad I'm all a part of this. Listen, if you're here today, I've got great news for you. You raised some great news. Because of the partnership with Lake Point and Real Life Together, did you know so far this year, we have seen over 1,000 people go public with their faith in Jesus Christ and get baptized. That's awesome. That's incredible. And that's why I'm here. And that's why you're here, because there's nothing like being in on the rescue mission in the meantime. There's a third type of people, and those are people like me back in 1987 who are watching all of this happen. It's not like you're not excited about it. It's not even like you're clapping, not going to clap for it. But listen, if you're helping with that mission, you can do more than just applaud what God's doing. You can know that you're a part of that. Yeah, I give to that. Yeah, I give my time to that. But some, you know, you say, you know what, I, and I'm so thankful, it's not a large group in this church, you know, I, I just need to get in the game. You guys have heard the old adage about what a football game really is. A football game is 22 men in desperate need of rest being watched by thousands of people in desperate need of exercise. That's what it is. And, and, and unfortunately, that's a lot of churches. You know, it's like a lot of people are in there trying to do this and trying to get rescued, but it's like, hey, way to go there, you know, or boo, bad call, you know, whatever, you know, I'm just a fan. I'm watching it. And, and, and fans have great intentions, and it's not like you don't hope for the best, but you're a spectator. You're interested, 
but you're not involved. And whatever this means and whoever this is for, I'm gonna ask you today, if you're not a part of this family, step out of the stands and get in the game. That's where the excitement really is. And whatever that means for you, checking the card and saying, I wanna serve, going by the Connection Center and saying, sign me up to be a part of the new members orientation. I wanna be a part of this. I wanna be in on the rescue mission. I don't wanna be on the sidelines anymore because the rescue is where really the excitement really is. Now, if you're not ready to join the church, or maybe you've been a part of Lake Point for a long time, either way, here's one step everybody can do. When you walked in, you were handed a card, and it looks like this, and I'm going to ask you to take it out, would you? And somebody got this in your hand, and most of us got one of these, and if they didn't, you can get one on the way out, but it says on the front, who are you rescuing? And you'll notice it has a circle because I wanted to look a lot like the well. If you come to my office and uh, in Austin, I, on, my, on my office desk, there's a small PVC pipe that I've painted black and I have names all over to people that I'm asking God to help me reach. And so I, I really couldn't make all that happen for this many people, so I got you a card, all right? If you've been a part of Lake Point for a long time, this is your impact card. It's the same, same idea. And what, what I'm gonna ask you to do is on the back of that card is to write three names of people that you know need a rescue. You know they need God's help. And they're just away from God right now. And you're just gonna start praying for them. And you'll notice the, the, my life verse is here, Proverbs 24, 11. Just let, let's rescue them together. Where do I start? Just start praying for them. And this works, it really does. My wife and I have this card, and one of the names we put on there was the name of our neighbor. When we moved in, uh, two years ago from our rent house to, to a house, um, we met our neighbor, and, and so we started praying for her, and, and she was a really sweet lady. And uh, one day she asked, asked us, say, hey, what, what, by the way, what do you guys do? And when I told her I was a pastor, she didn't talk to us for six months. <laughs> didn't, didn't really work that way. So you can do this a lot better than I can, I promise. But we kept praying for her, kept being patient, and two months ago, my wife was getting the mail, and she came out of her house, and she said, hey, what time are your services? And all of a sudden, we just realized, well, we've been praying for her, God answers those prayers. He really does. And then she said, do you meet every Sunday? We're like, yes, we meet every Sunday. We're there, we've been there. And she showed up, and two weeks ago, she walked up to me in the Connection Center, and she said, can I get one of those Bibles? I, went, I did the whole church thing when I was a kid, but I hadn't been to church in 50 years. I just like to start reading. She's so close. Listen, this works. It works not just for church planners in Austin. It can work for you. And I'm gonna ask you to take out this card and even in your worship guide, write some names down. Who is around you that you can reach? Who's in your backyard? And listen, please don't do this. Please don't write the names of famous people you'd like to see get saved, okay? Don't write down Eminem. I'd love to see him get saved. Great Christian rap would happen at that point. Let's see that happen, Lord. No, no. People that you know, okay, that go to your school, that are in your office, that are in your friend's circle, that, that you know and say, you know what? God, would you help them just take a step towards you? Give me courage. And we'll be talking about how do you, you know, just build those relationships, say those sentences that matter. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks, but, but just, you know, just start praying for them. And I promise you, it works. When we started in Austin four years ago, there were 18 people in our living room. And I walked a lady named Tina to her car, and at her car, I had the privilege to lead her to faith in Jesus Christ. She just looked up and she said, wow, what do I do now? I know I'm going to heaven, but what do I do in the meantime? I said, Tina, I'm just gonna ask you to, real simple, I'm gonna ask you to write down the name of three people and just start praying for them, people that you know, and just ask God to help you invite them and share Christ with them, but really just start praying for them. 
And so she wrote down on this card, she wrote down Rob. I said, well, Tina, who's Rob? She said, Rob's my boss. I was like, good person to pray for. Pray for your boss. Okay, so we should pray for Rob. And she started praying for Rob, and she started inviting Rob every once in a while. And I just want to encourage you with her story because she invited Rob and prayed for Rob for three years without him responding at all. Very short with her. But finally, Easter of this year, he said, fine, I'll go to church, Tina, fine, I'll just do it, okay? And he walked into Bowie High School in Austin. And on Easter Sunday of this year, Rob bowed his head at the end of the service. He said, I need Jesus. Save me, rescue me, Lord. He hadn't been to church since he was 10 years old, and he's 45 now. For 35 years, he came home, and he got saved. And he came up to me and said, I want to be baptized and go public with my faith. And all started with someone writing on a card and saying, wait a minute, that's not the pastor, it's me. I'm in on the rescue mission, and no one can reach Rob like I can because I see Rob every day. Get in on the rescue mission. Say, yeah, God, how can I be involved? This card's a great place to start. You know, when you think about it, 2 Peter 3, 9 says this. It says that God's not slow in keeping his promise. He desires everyone to come to repentance. And so when you start praying for somebody to turn to God, you're praying according to his will because the Bible clearly says he wants everyone to come to him. And so we're on a rescue mission, and it's urgent. And the cross doesn't just rescue us, it unites us to rescue others. And so I'm telling you, it's exciting. Get in on this mission. Start with this card and see what God would do. The rescue mission is exciting because I can still remember because they were gonna rescue Jessica and so the, you know, Robert O'Donnell came out of the tunnel by himself and a pediatric doctor came up to him and said, listen son, she has been down there for two and a half days. She's gonna die of dehydration if you do not go get her. I, this is urgent, now listen to me carefully. Go down in that tunnel, and I don't care what you have to do. Whatever it takes, get her out of that hole. I don't care if you have to break her arm, son. She is going to die. This is urgent. Get Jessica now. And he disappeared back in that hole. And he came across, and I can still remember watching on the news, as everyone in the world did, when he came up out of that tunnel with Jessica in his arms. It was joy, it was celebration, it was life change. And for those who are under 30 that think I've made this entire story up, here's what that looks like, watch this. It's a story that uh, has, uh, has caught, caught on, caught people's attention, taken people's interest, not only uh, in this country, but also abroad. We had some visitors from the Soviet Union uh, in our studio earlier. Yes, Bruce? Dan, it looks like they're getting ready to bring something up from the hole. I can't tell. They're tightening the slack on the cable, and people are moving in very, very close to the uh, hole. Uh, two doctors are right on the edge as they tighten the slack a little bit. It is a time they want to be very careful with it. They do not want anything to go wrong here because it's been an exhausting 58 hours, and they want to make certain that when they bring her up, that she is all right and there are no difficulties here. Here she comes, there's clapping. from Midland, Texas, Jessica McClure is up 
She's alive. What a fighter. Yeah. I can still remember cheering from home, high-fiving my brother like, yes, she's free. There's nothing like a rescue mission to excite people. And here's ours, and it's stated clearly in 2 Corinthians 5.20. I'll put it on the screen. Notice how we do this together. It's not just you. It's not just me. We are Christ. And notice plural, ambassadors. We do this together. God is making his appeal through, watch this, us, we. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Would you join me in this rescue mission to do whatever it takes to reach the people all around us? Because I don't know if you knew this or not, but America is the third largest mission field in the world. China and India, one and two. But there's more unchurched people in America than anywhere else. We are standing in our mission field. Would you join me? Listen, in the meantime, what do you do? Well, when you get to heaven, there's things you can't do. You can worship Jesus, you can serve him, but there's two things you can't do in heaven. You can't sin anymore. And when you meet Jesus face to face, you're never gonna wanna turn your back on him. You're never gonna wanna sin. I cannot wait for that. Never be tempted. But also, you know what you can't do in heaven? You can't tell anybody about Jesus in heaven. Just think about it. You're walking around on streets of gold and you're in heaven, you look at somebody and say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Do you know Jesus? They're gonna be like, duh, he's right over there, man. I know Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Everybody here knows him. So what do we do in the meantime? There's nothing more exciting than starting to pray for some people, starting to leverage some time and resources, gifts, talents, and energy to say, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to reach out to those around me. And it's not your responsibility to save them, but it's your great privilege to be in on the mission to seek and to save them with Jesus' help. You see, Rob, I told you, Rob got saved this past Easter, and he said, can I get baptized? And a couple weeks ago, we said, absolutely. We set up a Walmart pool right here at Bowie High School, and here's Rob coming up out of the water, and I'm telling you, I pictured Jessica coming up out of the well and saying, I am free. I am forgiven. I am saved. Powerful. Powerful. But what's equally as powerful is there's a young lady holding up her cell phone at the corner of that pool that's Tina. Tina was cheering more than anybody. She was, she was screaming and yelling like she was at a football game because she knew that she had a part to play and that she had prayed for him for three years and invited him over and over again and now he is out of the well. She knew she set free so that she could tell others so they could be set free. And if you ask Tina what she does, She's not gonna tell you, well, I have to get here at Bowie High School at 6.30 every morning and set up for two hours. Gotta run church around here. Although she does that. And guess who helps her, by the way? Rob. Now Rob helps us set up at Bowie High School every Sunday. But if you ask Tina, what do you do? She'll tell you, I'm on a rescue mission. It's changing my life. Would you join me in the meantime to seek and to save those who are lost and not hesitate to step in and help. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And in this quiet moment, there's some people listening to me and you need a rescue, you're stuck. And I would ask you in this quiet moment, would you receive Christ? Would you just pray a simple prayer of faith? This is a similar prayer that I prayed years ago that rescued me and just say something like this, not even out loud, just in your heart, just say, Jesus, I need you. Just tell him right now. Say, Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you rescue me? And he will. And just tell him right now, Jesus, I confess 
that you are my Lord and my Savior. That just means he's the boss from now on. And just tell him, Jesus, I will follow you from this day forward. And thank you for the promise of heaven. And if you've just been rescued, you just found out why this church exists. We believe in life change. And you have found the one who's changed us. If you're here today and you already know Christ, I'm just going to ask you to think about the names. Think about the mission. Think about where you can serve. Think about what God would have you to do to be in on the rescue mission in the meantime. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your word and this truth. May it resonate in our hearts and challenge our souls and may it change our priorities and may we run every decision we make this week through the grid of the conviction of what we should do in the meantime. And thank you for the mission, Jesus. Thank you for the cross that that was a sacrifice for us and thank you for the cross that unites us in this mission. And may we do whatever it takes to reach others For we ask it in the name of the one who rescued us, our King, our Savior, and our friend, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand for his freedom and his forgiveness. Amen.